Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, I'm super pumped that you're here. And as always, I'm super excited to dive into the episode today. This is going to be an interesting one and one that uh, I'm honestly pretty excited about. We do a lot of Q&As here on the podcast and normally, uh, the questions are coming from actual human beings, uh, but that's not the case today. I've been wanting to do this. I've had this idea for a little while, um, and today, it just worked out, just felt right. So what we're doing today is uh, I'm answering fitness questions that ChatGPT told, told me that I should answer. Um you know, chat GPT is just like exploded. AI has just exploded. And uh, I know it's like taking most industries by storm and the fitness industry is no different. Uh, there's uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's just like any fit, fitness podcast that I listen to, I hear people talking about it, how it's going to change the game, how you can use it to pursue your fitness goals, how people might be able to use it for coaching, um, how you can I don't know, do anything with chat GPT. Um, and so, you know, I've been curious about it, been kind of playing around with it to see, um, you know, if I can get some content ideas from it. And uh, this one just happened to work out really well where I went in there and asked chat GPT what fitness questions should I ask on the next podcast? What fitness questions should I answer on the next podcast? And uh, here's what it told me to dive into. So five questions today from ChatGPT. Uh, question number one, what are the best exercises to lose belly fat? Question number two, how much exercise do I need to do to stay healthy? Uh, question three, what's the most effective way to build muscle? Question number four, is it better to do cardio before or after lifting weights? And question number five, what are some effective home workouts I can do without equipment? So to be honest with you, uh, those are all really good questions. And I wasn't sure what to expect when I uh, went diving into the AI universe to get uh, ideas for the podcast, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I think these are really helpful topics that you know may end up helping you out. So We'll dive into answering those questions here in just a moment. Uh, before we do, as always, uh, want to remind you that I am a coach first and foremost. That's uh, what I do. I work with people all over the world uh, to primarily build muscle, burn fat, develop healthy lifestyle habits, really just chase whatever your fitness goals are with health and fitness and nutrition. Um, and so if you have a fitness goal, you want some customized, personalized help to uh, you know, get on a program that walks you in the direction to actually achieving that goal, uh, I would love to talk to you about your goals. So there's a link in the show notes of this episode to my coaching page on my website, chrisgatesfitness.com, uh, where you can learn more about how one-on-one -on -one online fitness coaching works and how we might be able to work together to build out a program for you. If everything there looks good and you want to submit an application, that'll come straight to me and I'll reach out to you. We could talk a bit more about your specific goals and again, what a program might look like for you. So um, don't hesitate to reach out if uh, you need a little bit of help or even if you just have questions about coaching, we'd be happy to talk more about it. Uh, and then second, the before we dive into the questions, um, since you're listening or watching the podcast, you know, this podcast is available on every podcast platform in terms of audio. I also upload full video episodes to my YouTube channel. So wherever you are watching or listening, if you can make sure that you're subscribed 
And, uh, you know, if you have an extra 60 seconds to leave a five-star rating and review, that helps a lot, helps the podcast get in front of more people. Uh, and that's the goal to get this podcast and this information in front of as many people as I possibly can to try and help as many people as I possibly can. Uh, so I would really appreciate that, but okay. With all of that said, let's dive into answering questions about fitness that ChatGPT told me to answer. All right, question number one, what are the best exercises to lose belly fat? So great question. I know that this is a popular topic uh, and a popular thing that people wonder about because you know, every once in a while I will broach this topic with a client who has questions about the exercise program, what we can do to, you know, help that body fat, that weight along the midsection, you know, come off as quickly as possible. Um, and I also have some articles on my website that I've written about, you know, how to lose belly fat, um, later in life, how to lose belly fat if you're in your thirties, forties, fifties. So, and a lot of people access those. So I know that people wonder about this all the time. What are the best exercises to lose belly fat? And I guess we can first start by outlining the basics on, in terms of losing fat. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that losing fat means you need to be in a calorie deficit. So I'm not going to go deep into that. I've talked about that on so many podcast episodes already. So you can go back into the podcast feed and, and listen to other episodes specifically on that topic if you want to lose, learn more. But um, you, the, the way to lose body fat is to be in a calorie deficit. That's that's what you have to do. That's how your body loses fat. It's the, the basic laws of thermodynamics, right? Energy in, energy out. Your energy out, the calories you burn, have to be more than the calories that you're eating. Um, so that's what causes fat loss. And then beyond that, we actually can't really control where body fat is going to come off our body. So, you know, generally speaking, most people see when you start to put on body fat, it'll normally start around the midsection and that's where most of that initial fat gain occurs. And then the more and more weight that you gain, the more and more body fat that you uh, accrue, then you'll start to see it go to other areas of the body. And this is a very genetically specific thing. Um, Each person is going to store body fat in different areas, and that's tightly tied to our genetics. Um, So we we, we don't really have a lot of control over that. And then on the flip side of it, when we want to lose fat, you don't have a lot of control over where you're going to lose fat first. Again, it's something that's very tied to your genetics. What tends to be the case is where you see yourself gaining weight first, that tends to be the place that takes the longest for that weight to come off. So if you gain a lot of fat in your uh, you know, abdomen, belly region first, and then you see it come to your like thighs and your hips, well, what you'll see when you get into a calorie deficit is your thighs and hips will probably lean out uh, quicker and more dramatically, and it'll take longer for you to lose that body fat on your belly, on your abdomen. Um, so that's the way it typically works for most people. Now, in terms of the best exercises to lose belly fat, it's literally anything, and at the same time, it's nothing. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, by saying it's nothing, what I'm what I mean is there actually are no exercises that will make you lose body fat in your belly. There are no belly fat burning exercises. Because we go back to what I just said, it's very tied to your genetics in terms of where you're going to lose fat and when. So really all you can do and all you need to do is get yourself in a calorie deficit and give your body enough time to see that weight and see that body fat come off. So what I always tell people to do, and this is how I coach my clients, is 
I tell them, and what we do is get into a calorie deficit and exercise based on things that you actually enjoy. Um, we do focus on some fundamental principles, you know, like we are going to do strength training. Um, we are, are going to do cardio. Uh, we are going to try and prioritize whole nutritious foods. But generally speaking, if calories are controlled and if you're exercising regularly, you're going to lose belly fat if you give yourself enough time. So from an exercise standpoint, like I would recommend strength training, strength training has shown to uh, help with fat loss because it encourages your body to hold on to more muscle mass, which means when you're in a deficit, your body has to search for some other tissue in the body to use for energy. So it goes to fat tissue uh, primarily. So I do encourage strength training at least a couple times a week. Obviously encourage a calorie deficit. I encourage some type of cardio um, you know, throughout the week, both for the goal of losing body fat, but also for your overall health. Um, but like within those concepts, strength training, cardio, calorie deficit, there are so many different variations of things that you can do. And we try to tailor, I try to tailor them to the likes and the wants and the needs and the desires of my clients. Um, so that's what I would encourage you to do is really don't try to do like 15 ab exercises because you really want to burn belly fat. Uh, what I would suggest you do is get on a comprehensive strength training program, do compound exercises, uh, do things that are feasible and sustainable, but also effective while you're in a calorie deficit and sprinkle in some cardio here and there. And if you're training, you know, the entire, the entirety of your body, the vast majority of the muscle groups in your body uh, over time, you're going to see fat loss come off in all the areas that you want to see it come off. It just it just takes time. Uh, strength training is probably the one and only must. Um, but even at that, like if you want to lose body fat, you you don't necessarily have to do strength training. You can lose body fat without it. It's really just about being in a calorie deficit. So those are my recommendations. And to answer the question, what are the best exercises to lose belly fat? Anything, <laughs> honestly, anything. But at the same time. Uh, nothing because there are no belly fat burning exercises. All right, question number two, how much exercise do I need to do to stay healthy? Great question. And it's so funny because normally when I'm like, hey, this is a great question, I'm thinking about the person that submitted it. But uh, now I'm thinking about a computer like, hey, good job, computer for this original question. Uh, but it is a good question. Um, because if you have the goal of just generally trying to improve your health, you know, have healthy lifestyle habits and, um, feel good, feel better on a day-to-day -day basis, there are, I think some general principles that you can follow. And, uh, I really always go back to kind of just the basics of uh, what the the guidelines for Americans are. I mean, I live in the United States, so I go to those physical activity guidelines for Americans to see like, okay, what are the bare minimum suggestions that they have for, for most people on what you should be doing with the different forms of exercises you can do. And I actually think that they're really, really good. Um, you know, w w when you get deeper into the specifics of the guidelines, maybe it isn't as uh, tailored to what I would tell a client to do, but just the general guidelines, I'll run you through them here. Um, the general guidelines for Americans in terms of physical activity throughout the week, two strength training days minimum, at least two days strength training, and 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. Those two things. And 150 minutes sounds like a lot, but if you think about it, that's like maybe th five days a week, you're doing 30 
minutes of some form of cardio, maybe 30 minutes of walking a day or something like that, five days a week. And if you space it out across seven, I don't, I'm not going to try and do the math because I suck at math. Um, but it's even less. So like 20 to 30 minutes of, of some type of physical activity a day. And this is moderate intensity. So I'm not telling you to go to like a spin class and bust your ass and work your body into the ground and peel yourself up off the floor every day. No, moderate intensity exercise is like going for a walk. Moderate intensity, we can simplify it by just saying like, hey, you want to get your heart rate up. Essentially, it's what you want to do. Get your heart rate up, get a little bit of a sweat going, um, you know, get your your breath up a little bit, right? So you're doing something intense enough where it's like, you know, every, uh, you could use the talk test, every 10 to 12 words, you have to kind of take a deep breath in to be able to keep having a conversation with somebody. That would mean you're in the moderate intensity range. So it's, it's not this unsustainable high intensity form of exercise. If you were to do that and look at the, the physical activity guidelines, they would say 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise, or I think it is 75 minutes of high intensity, so you could reduce it if you if you like doing high intensity training. Um, I think those are really good guidelines. That, that for the moderate intensity exercise and at least two strength training days a week, I think is really really good. That's a great place to start. And if you do those two things, you absolutely can improve your health. You can improve your health dramatically by doing just those two things. Okay, um, but you know, I think we can even simplify it further. And those those two things are pretty simple. I think we can simplify it even further to just say, quite simply, if you, the individual, you want to stay healthy or improve your health, you just need to try and do a little bit more now than you have been doing previously. So, you know, if you're sedentary, if you're not doing any exercise at all, it could be as simple as getting into the gym once a day. Like that's going to improve your health. It it won't necessarily dramatically transform the way you look, transform your physique. But like, can you uh, lose a little bit of weight, improve your endurance, improve your strength by going to the gym once a week when you haven't been going to the gym or lifting weights or training at all? Absolutely you can. Your body will adapt to that. And so then once your body gets used to doing that one day, you could go to two days, that'll be an additional like tick up in the stimulus to your body and it'll force your body to adapt a little bit more and then you will continue to see your health improve, your strength improve, your endurance improve, all of those things. So I think the simplest way you can look at this is whatever you're doing right now, try to do just a little bit more and then see your body adapt to that before you try to do a little bit more than that. And I think that's the most sustainable approach too because then you're not going so vastly overboard that you know you you can't handle it you get super sore you get super tired and fatigued then you you know you're so sore you can't or fatigued that you can't go to the gym you can't keep showing up so you have to take a break and then it makes it that much harder to try and show up again because you had such a terrible experience with it when you tried the first time around so i think those little incremental steps up over time are are what's most important and those are the things that are going to continue to improve your health and, and again, and your strength and your endurance. And that kind of goes back to like the, the concept of progressive overload too. Like if, you, if you're trying to get stronger, trying to build muscle, do anything like that, there's this concept called progressive overload where you're trying to just very slowly and incrementally overload your muscles so that you're doing a little bit more workout to workout, week to week than you had been doing. So like if I take the session I do on Monday every week, each Monday, I want to be trying for each exercise to at least add one rep 
And if I'm adding at least one rep, and that's not much, right? That's one additional rep. If I'm doing that, I'm progressively overloading myself and I'm giving my body the stimulus it needs to be forced to continue to adapt. And I want to build muscle and strength. So that fits right into the wheelhouse of my goals and what I want to do. You can apply that concept to just trying to get healthy and stay healthy is to slowly and incrementally try to tick that workload up over time to force your body to continue to adapt and um, see those health benefits continue to, to snowball and scale up over time. So the simplest way to put it, again, to rehash, restate it, try to do a little bit more now than you have been doing previously. And I think those two guidelines and the physical activity guidelines are great ones to shoot for if you're not doing much right now, which is strength training on at least two days of the week and 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise every week. All right, question number three. This is going to fit in really well because I just touched on this at the end of my answer to question number two. Question number three, what is the most effective way to build muscle? Now, I have a lot of content already on this topic, um, and uh, I would highly recommend you go to my website, read some of the articles on training. I have a lot of stuff about how to build muscle and build strength, but in terms of the most effective ways to build muscle, I think first and foremost... It's going to start with compound exercises. So I just talked about this in, in the answer to the previous question, but like this, this this concept of progressive overload, and I'm going to I'm going to dive back into that here in a second. But if you want to stimulate muscle growth, one of the best ways to do that, and and there's a ton of research showing this, backing this up, and proving this is that having compound exercises in your program is going to get you the biggest ROI, the biggest bang for your buck with your training program as it relates to building muscle. So compound exercises are exercises that have you moving the weight by moving multiple joints in your body. Um, or another way to look at it is using multiple muscle groups to move the weight. So examples of that are um, pretty simple, pressing, rowing, squatting, deadlifting. So like a bench press is the chest, shoulders, and triceps all moving together to press weight. Rowing exercises are multiple muscle groups in your back, plus your biceps and your forearms rowing weight into your body. Squatting, you're using primarily your quads, but also some of your glutes and your hamstrings to squat down and back up. And then deadlifting is like the entire posterior chain of your body. So you're training everything from like your traps in the back of your neck down your mid back. You're using your glutes. You're using your hamstrings. Um, there's a ton of muscles involved in deadlifting. So those are examples of compound exercises that are really going to stimulate a lot of muscle growth. Okay. They're also going to help you get stronger. And if you get stronger, it's going to help you lift more weight, which will help you stimulate more muscle growth. Like there's a lot of benefits in using compound exercises. So when we're talking about the, this question says, what's the most effective way to build muscle. You can build muscle a lot of different ways. If you want to be as effective and efficient as you possibly can with your training, using compound exercises is the best place to start. And normally when I program compound exercises for my clients, we'll do them at the beginning of a workout because you're freshest, you have the most energy to put into those compound exercises. The compound exercises tend to be the most fatiguing. Um, so we get that out of the way using as much energy as we have to do them. And then we'll kind of matriculate from there into isolation exercises and working out smaller muscle groups and stuff like that. Um, so now let's talk about progressive overload. So within those compound exercises and any other exercises you're using in your program, 
we want to be focused on implementing progressive overload into the, I guess, the results of your routine. So um, I mentioned this before, but like this is the concept where you'll hear some people say you want to just try and beat the logbook. And what that means is assuming that you're tracking your performance in the gym, which you should be if you're trying to build muscle and you're not tracking your workouts. And by that, I mean, you know, the weight that you're lifting, the sets and reps that you're performing each week. If you're not tracking that stuff, it's going to make it really hard for you to build muscle because building muscle requires you to progressively overload the muscles in your body, which means you need to slowly tick up the workload of what you're doing. And if you're not tracking your workload, it's going to be very, very hard for you to know if you're actually doing that. This is a mistake I made a lot when I was younger, and it's why I failed to see a lot of the progress that I wanted to see because I was not doing, I was not focused on the details that I needed to be focused on. So progressive overload means you're slowly scaling that workload up. That could look, that could look, um, uh, different in, in many different ways. You can progressively overload your body. You can add weight to some exercises over time. You can add reps to some exercises over time. You can also add sets to your routine for different muscle groups over time. Uh, but whatever you're doing, you want to see from session to session, week to week, your workload increasing. Okay. So beat the logbook. It goes back to what I, I mentioned in answering question number two, my day one workout, let's say I'm doing bench press and I do 185 pounds for eight reps. And I do that three times for three sets. The next week, I want to try and get 185 pounds for nine reps. Okay. If I do that, that one extra rep means I progressively overloaded from the previous session. Okay. So if I complete that, if I do three sets of nine, the next week, you guessed it. I want to try and do three sets of 10, or at least have one of those three sets be where I get to 10 reps because all you need is one extra. Okay. Those are the things you want to do. Or it could be if I'm doing, uh, if this week I'm doing 185 pounds for eight reps, maybe next week I want to try and do 190 pounds for eight reps. That would be progressively overloading with weight. Or I could do three sets of 185 pounds on bench press this week. Next week, I could do four sets of 185 pounds for eight reps. Again, another way to progress, progressively overload. So you want to be progressively overloading. Compound exercises uh, are a great thing to have in your routine. And then let's just not forget, like nutrition is as, is as big of a, a piece to the puzzle as your training program is. So, um, you know, eating adequate protein, having enough calories. Those are important things. If you want to learn more about that, I have an article on my website. Um, geez, what's the, what's the title? Let me see if I can find the title of it here. Uh, how big should my calorie surplus be to build muscle? So if you search for that in Google, you will find, I think at my, my articles, like the number one article on Google, um, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to read that and find out more about the nutritional aspect of things, but you want to be in a slight calorie surplus, which means you're eating slightly more calories, uh, than your body needs. Uh, so you're, you're slightly above your maintenance calories. Um, and then adequate protein. I typically tell people to take your height in centimeters and then whatever that number is, try to eat that many grams of protein a day. So if you find that you're 170 centimeters tall, try to eat 170 grams of protein a day. If you're doing those things, combining it with the right training program and progressively overloading your muscles, uh, you will build muscle. That's that's the most effective formula. That's the equation uh, to do it successfully. 
Question number four, is it better to do cardio before or after weightlifting? Really good question. And this is one I actually just went over with one of my clients recently. So the timing of this uh, was scary good and kind of freaked me out that ChatGPT was asking a question that my client just asked me. But anyway, um, let's dive into this. So the general recommendation that I give most people is to do cardio after you lift weights because generally speaking, for most goals, um, you want to prioritize strength training. And what I mean by prioritize strength training is doing that when you're freshest or when you have the most energy so that you can put all of your quality effort into lifting, progressively overloading like like we've talked about, being able to be ener- have a lot of energy and use proper form and technique. And you know, you don't want to tax yourself a ton with some type of high intensity cardio before you go lift weights because then you're going to be super fatigued. You might not be able to lift with as good a form and technique, and then you could injure yourself or just you know miss out on a lot of the gains that you could make with lifting weights. So generally, I recommend do cardio after you lift weights. Uh, But I will say, and this is what I talked with one of my clients about recently, um, there are situations where doing cardio before can be really beneficial. And and actually, uh, in almost every situation, I think five to 10 minutes of low to moderate intensity cardio before you start lifting is is a great warm up. So that's something you can do, you know, very short bout of lower intensity cardio, get the blood flowing, get the blood circulating throughout your body and by getting that blood circulating to all the different muscle groups, it actually can help you perform better with whatever, you know, lifting workout that you have that day. Um And I actually just had a client say, you know, the way her schedule mapped out, she ended up doing her 30 minute zone two cardio session before she lifted that day. And she felt like her lifting her, and it was a lower body day. She felt like her lifting actually improved by doing the zone two cardio before she did lower body training that day. And I said, you know, that actually can work. That doesn't surprise me because you think about you're doing um, like a spin uh, for 20 or 30 minutes at, at a low intensity. Zone two cardio is a lower intensity. It's not super high intensity at all. Um, or if you're walking on the treadmill, you're getting a ton of blood flow to the legs. You're really loosening those legs up and getting them primed to potentially lift weights after that. And uh, if for her, it made her just her joints feel better. It made her muscles fire more effectively for all of the exercises. Um, And so it can potentially work out well for you depending on what your workout is that day. And of course, depending on the intensity of the cardio. If you're doing HIIT cardio, high intensity cardio, or doing like a spin class or some type of anything that's gonna be high intensity, get your heart rate really high, I would not, again, I would not recommend you do that before you lift weights. But if it's low or moderate intensity and you would prefer to do it before you lift, then I think that's perfectly fine. Um, and, and if it's like a lower body day in particular, it may actually help you perform better. So it's something to play around with and experiment with. Um, now on the flip side of this, if weightlifting, if lifting and strength training just aren't your primary goal, and maybe you're like a runner and you're lifting because lifting can supplement your running performance and make you a better, stronger runner, um, but, but running is your primary goal. Well, then I would say, then we need to flip this discussion, right? Um, so, you know, strength training before cardio is my general recommendation for people who want to lose body fat, who want to build muscle, build strength, uh, just generally improve their health, stuff like that. Um, but 
if you have endurance specific goals, if you are a runner or a cyclist or something like that, and your endurance performance is the thing that you are most focused on, uh, then I would say, let's flip it because weightlifting is good is important it's going to supplement what you want to do with your endurance goals but like you have a skill specific goal that you want to be focused on and if that if that's the case if you have a skill specific goal we need to prioritize that skill over everything else so that would be a situation where i would say okay actually let's flip things um, and let's do cardio before you lift, or let's try to do both of them on separate days. And maybe for any goal, any goal that is out there, doing them on separate days is probably what would be quote unquote considered optimal. Um, but I think those are, you know, the, the the variety of answers. And as you can see, it's it's kind of person specific and goal specific and all that stuff. But uh, hopefully you found that helpful. All right, question number five that ChatGPT told me to answer about fitness. Uh, what are some effective home workouts that you can do without equipment? Um, great question. Lots of people prefer to work out at home. Um, I personally am one of those people, but admittedly, I've built like a humongous home gym in my home. So <laughs> I'm not necessarily looking for like body weight or banded workouts or anything like that. But effective workouts that you can do at home without equipment, um, there are a few options. And I'll say like, if you have goals of really transforming your body um, and, you know, building a lot of muscle or building a lot of strength, eventually you're going to get to a point where you need to invest in some weights. And easy ways to do that are like getting a pair of adjustable dumbbells um, and, uh, you know, then building from there. But uh, to get started, if, you know, just general health is important to you and, and if you're a beginner and you want to start exercising and you want to do it at home but you don't have equipment, there are a few things that you can do. Uh, one thing that I plug into a lot of my clients' programs, it, regardless of where they train, and a lot of people I do this for, they're in a commercial gym or they have a big home gym, is body weight exercises for time. So things I'll do is like as many body weight squats as you can do in 30 seconds. And we're going to do that for three sets or four sets or five sets. That's a cool one because, you know, you can count the amount of reps you do in 30 seconds. And then next week, try to do more reps in that same amount of time. And then when you kind of max out on the amount of quality reps you can do in that amount of time, then you can increase the time. So go from 30 seconds to 45 seconds, 45 seconds to 60 seconds. Those are really cool to do. Um, you can also pick up a pair, a pack of resistance bands. And um, this is, I think, like for anybody in any home gym or training situation, having resistance bands is like you should just have them. You can buy packs of them on Amazon for like 25 bucks. So it's it's almost no uh, no real burden to you financially to pick them up. And if nothing else, you can use them for warm ups to loosen up the you know your your muscles and your joints. Um, but you know those resistance band packs come with handles and different attachments where you can attach the bands to like a door frame or something like that. You could do uh, you could really train almost any muscle group by getting uh, a, a pack of resistance bands. Um, so I think that's like in terms of if you don't have equipment and you want to get something but you don't have a lot of money to spend, I would tell you to get resistance bands. That's the first place I would tell you to go. Um, the next step might be like TRX straps or something like that, where it allow those, these straps, you don't know what they are, Google them. Um, but they allow you to essentially, uh, they're straps that you can rig up in different ways to use your body weight as the weight that you lift. 
Um, and there's a lot of different variations of things that you can do. Um, they're pretty cool. They were like super popular, like, I don't know, it feels like five, six, seven years ago. Um, but they're still very effective and that, that might be something that works out for you. And then the other thing that comes to mind is backpack workouts. So if you don't have any money to invest, you have no money to put in, you don't even have the 20, 25 bucks for resistance bands, you can do exercises with the things that you have at home. A lot of people think like, well, I don't have any weight, so I can't work out. But it's like weight is just weight. Like a dumbbell, a 20-pound dumbbell is convenient because it's set up in a format for you to very easily lift it. But like you could put... 20 pounds of books in a backpack and then grab the straps and curl the backpack with the straps. It's still 20 pounds of weight. It just looks different. And uh, I actually on my YouTube channel have backpack workouts that you can do for um, chest, shoulders, triceps, for back and biceps, and for your lower body. So you can check those out. Um, just search for Chris Gates Fitness on YouTube and, you, and you'll find me. Um, but I, I've had a lot of clients do these too, where we just load up a backpack uh, and, and you can figure out how much the, the backpack weighs pretty easily because if you have a scale at home, like you can, uh, you know your body weight. So then you load up the backpack with some stuff, step on the scale, and then whatever the scale says, just subtract your body weight from it. And that's how much weight is in the backpack. And you can do a lot of different exercises. So uh, don't think that because you don't have equipment, you can't do anything. You absolutely can. I promise that you've got a backpack or a duffel bag or something like that around the house that you could load some weight up in. Um, and at the very least, you can train that way. I think I did an exercise video where I loaded like bottles of liquor into, into a backpack and uh, showed that like, you know, even if you don't read, if you don't have books, you probably have something around the house that you can put into your backpack. So there's a ton of uh, options and, and uh, you just got to kind of get creative if you don't have any equipment. So uh, I hope that's helpful. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks to uh, Ch ChatGPT for giving me these five questions. They were really good. They, they honestly were really, really good. I did not know uh, what to expect, but uh, I enjoyed them. If you think this is fun and I should do another one, I could go back into ChatGPT and say like, hey, good job. Give me more questions. Let's do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, as always, I'm looking forward to doing another episode next week. So if you have not subscribed, make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening. And again, I am a coach. If you would like a little bit of health with your health, fitness, and nutrition goals, hit that link in the show notes to my coaching page and let's talk more about what your goals are and uh, how we might be able to work together on a program to get you moving in the right direction. So thanks again. Appreciate you listening and I will talk to you again soon.